What's up, fan bros? This week on Fan Bros Special Delivery, we discuss our favorite redheads on True Detective and Power. We also cover Mr. Robot, Ballers, and what the hell is up with the tracking on the strain? Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, internets? This is your boy, Space Ghost producer, Kimsonian, with the fan bros flying over the Brooklyn skyline late night on a Sunday night. And it's been a minute since I've been on special delivery. I'm making my triumphant return. Uh, Chico and Ben are not around, um, so I'm going to fill in for them. But as always, uh, to my left... In the co-pilot seat is none other than Lando Ilrissian, Big Illawyc. What's going on, Kimsonian? There you go, Lando Ilrissian. I like that. Very pimp indeed. Um, I'm doing good, man. You know, it's kind of hot in New York these days, and uh, just trying to survive the heat. So, uh, but you know, as usual, there's a lot, a lot of television to cover. We're um, covering. Basically, the best shows that are on TV. Some of them, I have to disagree with what y'all been saying in the past two weeks, but we'll get into that. Um, let's start off with True Detective. Um, I don't know, man. Um, right off the bat, I got to say, this was one of the better episodes of the season, but I still feel like this season is definitely, it hasn't been flushed down the toilet, but it's still just sitting in the toilet for me. <laughs> It's just sitting uh, on a shitter. It's just sitting right there and people are walking by and looking at it. Um, I get what's happening. Um, the name of the episode was uh, Church in Ruins. And I um, wasn't too sure what that was referencing. But to be honest, I haven't hate watched this TV, this much TV since the first season of Extant. <laughs> And, um, I, you know, my hopes were so high for this. And every time I was listening to special with you guys, I was just biting my lips because <laughs> I, you guys, I, I guess you guys kind of appreciate some of the stuff going on. I really am just I'm just so angry with this show um, because the first season was so big. Um, anyway, tonight we had some some interesting revelations or not interesting revelations. I just felt like. The series is wrapping up. They only have two more episodes to go, and so a lot of the story plot lines are kind of wrapping up, and they're trying to put a nice little bow on them. What did you think about the episode? I think hate watch is an appropriate term, um, and your shit analogy works. It's kind of like the old Richard Pryor joke. True Detective Season 2 is like that, that turd that won't go away. You try to flush it, but it's like, what do that turd want? You know, <laughs> it, keeps so. com- it keeps coming back, keeps floating it to just the top. keeps floating there. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed the episode, but again, it's just been another, you know, this has been a, a, a lukewarm season for me. I think that uh, anytime uh, Ray Velcoro, Colin Farrell is on screen, I mean, it blisters, it's hot. His 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 role, his job, he's been handling A1, and everything else around him has just been kind of subpar. Um, I, I appreciated the payoff of the confrontation with that started this episode with Frank Simeon. Um, it went kind of not necessarily predictable, but they did talk it out like men in a, in a sensible fashion where neither party was left looking weak. Um, and it didn't kind of result in, you know, the implied violence that was going to be coming. 
But from there, the rest of the episode was kind of paint by numbers. Um, I mean, the end of the episode, you know, it just, again, every time I'm watching it, it just, I'm comparing it to season one, you know, and this episode reminded, was a callback to when um, Russ Cole had to go in and get the biker in that episode where they, where they right. ended this, the, the episode with a long shot. And right. this was, you know, kind of akin to that, but just not done as well. Um, but I appreciated it. Yeah, you know? not, not nearly, yeah. I mean, I appreciated what they were going for, you know, and, and it was cool on that in that regard. But it just, you know, it's lackluster. I think that the big failing of True Detective Season 2 is that it wasn't True Detective 1. Like, if this, this season had come before <laughs> the Season 1 that we got, then I would appreciate this season so much more. You know, because the mystery is relatively solid. Um, they're going through what they're going through, but... That, that first season was so classic, you know, and so great on so many levels and so many ways that I'm constantly making comparisons and this season is constantly coming up short. Well, well, the other thing is that, okay, the first season just transcended the genre that it works in. And this season is so predictably um, stuff that you've seen before. Also, there was a great chance to have some diverse casting and they just threw that out the window. I do have to say Colin Farrell's performance is, like you said, like it is riveting. I, I've never seen him give that good a performance. He's really killing the game with that performance. Um, Rachel McAdams is also holding her own. Vince Vaughn, I have no idea what's really going on. These guys mumble like crazy. Um, <laughs> I, early on, somebody said that he's trying to be like the Punisher and Daredevil. And I thought that, would, that gave me a nice laugh. I, I, I don't know. I don't, you know hate to be harsh on you know people put a lot of work into this but this is there's nothing new about what happened this season on true detective like literally nothing new like some csi episodes are better than this this is not at all what season one was um channeling triggering exploring um revealing you know t from tone to taste to cinematography you know, the, the fact that this takes place in corrupt southern L.A., I don't know if this is like his the, the creator's way of paying homage to maybe like Chinatown or all these like old Los Angeles crime thrillers or whatever. I, you know, it's been done so many times. I just was rolling my eyes the whole time. And so I was expecting some sort of surprise and, you know, nothing. So and then when something comes up like forward momentum, you know, it took four episodes to actually do something instead of just exploring who these damaged characters were. You know, by that time, I'm I'm just bored. Chico always says, you you know, you get three episodes to hold you in. And the only reason I kept going is because I, I keep hoping that season one, some season one juice will pop up somewhere. But, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, there were some moments in this episode uh and it did mirror much of that episode when they went into the projects in season one, but uh, nothing at all in terms of the execution and the overall, you know, breathless result that we got from that episode. Um, so, yeah, I think to me, it's just like a whole bunch of toilet paper just stuck in the toilet right now and nobody's flushing it. Yeah, I mean, my only real disappointment with tonight's episode was that Vince Vaughn didn't drop another Socratic gem for uh, us to ponder and reflect upon. But um, other than that, you know, eh. 
But it like was, what? Uh, what? 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 What, did, what has he dropped? What do you mean? Like these? Like these sordid, oh. twisted? Lo- Go ahead. Give me an example. Oh man, Vince. Like we discussed last week. I mean, Vince Vaughn always has some line, you know, where they're really just trying to make him sound way more intelligent than uh, any gangster is supposed to be. I think the what was the line of uh, last week? Um, Blue balls in my heart. That was his right. one last week. This so, one I mean, was uh, just because. Uh, you bleed slow don't mean you're down and out or something like that. There was one of those. He said that. Uh, oh, just because you're on the ropes, don't, uh, I forget. Something yeah, yeah, yeah. Being on the ropes doesn't mean you're bleeding out. But you right, know, you're bleeding I mean, out. Right. Jesse Ventura said it better in Predator. You know, I ain't got time to bleed. There so. you go. They need to get Jesse Ventura as as the Vince Vaughn character, and then then I'd be watching. I'll tell you that. I mean, I don't mind the the casting, you know, not being diverse or any of that kind of nonsense. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just not what it could be. You know what I mean? If again, if this was, if this had been the original season pilot season, then I think it would be appreciated much more than what it is. Um, and it, you know, Colin Farrell's performance would shine even more. You know, it would be so, it, it would be much higher. You know, regarded much higher. And um, so that's kind of really, you know, the, the problem is that they're coming in the shadow of such a great season one. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, some good moments tonight, uh, I guess, at the party, the Eyes Wide Shut orgy party up in the in the backwoods of Southern California or up the highway where she's halfway uh, with the Rachel McAdams characters halfway stoned and she cuts that dude up. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I mean, so you, I, did, that, you did get that, to see her knife skills in the play. Yeah, that was great payoff for all the damn practicing she was doing earlier. Right. The the one thing I do appreciate about True Detective is the relationship uh, Vince Vaughn has with his redhead. Uh, you know, after the scene with where Frank and Ray have that confrontation, you know, she walks out and she has the gun in hand and she kind of comes and kind of consoles her man. Which is completely different than the relationship with the redhead on power. <laughs> Good segue. Um, so the thing about power, uh, very interesting. I had no idea power was a comedy. I'm just like Ben. <laughs> as he watches the strain, like I, I had to tell Ben Hamin that the strain, or basically the strain, is a very comedic take on the horror genre for television. But I had no idea that power is actually way funnier than the strain. I could not stop laughing. Um, I'm late to the to the game with this season. Um, I could not stop laughing. I, I tell you, if there's anything that is um, that is not progressive or that is like <laughs> uh, made for maybe 14 year olds, it's a reinforce. Possibly every gangster ter- stereotype that you can you know you can find power is the ultimate urban uh, gangster soap opera, I have to say. Oh, my God. All the cliches. And we have to add um, Ghost staring into the window of his car and turning around and fixing his buttons to our drinking game because Ghost is the king (laughs) of the stairway, then turn around toward the camera. That's right. That's right. There's there's a lot of staring into the camera with that guy, man. I mean, he constantly turns around, fixes his button on his suit, and then engages in the stiff dialogue that spews out. But I mean, it's just like I've come to respect power as an entertaining. Like you said, it's a comedy, you know, and I think that uh, it has nice twists and turns and things of that nature. But 
to me, it's really just like a, a really cool uh, freshman college gangster fanfic, you know? Like, let's take all the cliches we know and then kind of give them like a 2000 twist and make it edgy. And- <laughs> right. But the key word right there is 2000 twist because I feel like it should have been made around like 2000, 2001. Like, I feel like the uh, Ja Rule soundtrack would be really dope. <laughs> like, or I feel like a, a, like a, like, you know, like the Rough Rider, um, you know, Rockefeller, uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. those, the, that era would be perfect for this kind of, for this kind of show. Cause it does to me, it does, it, it, there's nothing like really modern about it. There's no, I don't know. Everything does seem very like late nineties, early two thousand. I mean, but the show it's like, I appreciate it because it is entertaining. You know, I'm just like, what are these idiots going to do next? And that's, that's what compels me to come back and check it out. They are but, the worst gangsters. They are. Oh. I, was, I was thinking in the back of my head. I was thinking like, okay, um, you know, the, everything like comparing to the to the Sopranos. Don't ask me why, but I was just trying to think of like what makes a good gangster TV show. And Sopranos just had so much character. Like it was just character upon character. Power has no um, dialogue that allows you to think. Everything is just said on the nose. There's I mean, like a like, jab like the, to the nose. Yes. Yeah, they're right. Every every line is a punch to the face. There's no uh, time for reflection or thought. That's why I, I feel like it's very much adolescent. Anyway, this episode, a uh, couple of things happened that I thought were were, were pretty interesting. Um, uh, Ghost is definitely getting his swag, even though he he's kind of been. Uh, put off, right? He got a no, replaced. no, 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 no. I, I I agree with your analogy about the Sopranos, and I find that funny because I actually found myself thinking about uh, comparing Power to another great show that I love, which is The Blacklist, and just thinking about how Power comes up so short. Uh, I know you're about to say Ghost is getting his swag back, but I just think Ghost is inept. Um, <laughs> Because when I think about my man, like, I love The Blacklist. And my man, Raymond Reddington, on The Blacklist is a great criminal. And mm. smart. I mean, he's not, like, super genius level. He gets, you know, hindered. But he's smart. He, he comes across shrewd, intelligent. He comes across every bit the gangster that uh, Ghost is not. You know, and I would appreciate, and I, I thought about it. I'm like, Power had a chance with me in episode one. And it lost me right then, in that first episode. Where they show, they start off by showing gangster, uh, not showing gangster, showing ghost doing gangster work. You know, he's there beating the shit out of some dude and then puts his suit on and walks into his club. You know, that's how the, the, the first season opens up. Mm-hmm. And so it shows that he's not, he's, you know, willing to get his hands dirty. He's willing to get in the streets and get involved and very hands on with his operation. But what they fail to demonstrate is ghost shrewdness, his intellect. They don't, at every turn where they could show ghost getting ahead of the game, um, they do some stuff, but it's never less like enough. He always seems just, it's like, how did you survive this long in the game? You know? Mm. And that's my problem with it. You know I mean? In this episode, he does have, um, he does get his ass out of the fire. So, so we think with, um, Holly, the redhead, you know, by contacting her and having her pretend to, um, you know, not want to fuck with, uh, Angela anymore. And, you know, basically show that ghost isn't who she thinks he is. And so he thinks he saved his skin. But it's like, stuff like that, you know, is cool, but it could have been done before. It should have been done all along. 
And Ghost just never comes across that bright. You know, he never comes across as someone who's thinking two steps ahead. And I think that's where power really has failed. If they had developed him as a character who is such a slick and smooth operator who's always got a plan, always thinking, you know, he's just playing chess with these people, and he kind of gets set back as things happen, then cool. You know, it would be much better to me. You know, it's already entertaining, but it would be, you know, at least an A-minus level show. But they just fail to do that all the time. They're reinforcing the stereotypes. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it reminds me of those Rockefeller movies where it's like, you know, the guy goes from the street and then gets rich and then, you know, but he's still got some street in him. The other thing about this show that is really disturbing is the lack of power uh, that the women have, even though they're they're very prominent in their roles. Um, they really are very subservient to the male roles from what I've seen. And it they, they're really just playing. All, I mean, I know everybody's playing each other. Angie's playing, you know, Ghost and uh, Tasha's playing the bodyguard and playing Ghost and all this stuff. But really, to be honest, it, it, it seems like the men d are not really risking much and the women are just kind of play things for them. And I, I just felt like there's not a really strong woman character the way um that has like some sort of kind of dignity i don't know it's it was weird it really hit me kind of hard i was like wow you know here we have these women of color and then it's like okay but i i get it it's the genre you know the women and gangs but women and gangster stuff normally you know they're just the, the the arm candy they don't really have the deeper personality and then of course tasha's got a you know, have her quips and she's got to have the, the comeback lines and, and all this stuff. And these, these, I, I guess with empire and power, you know, running neck and neck in terms of kind of, uh, these, these sassy, you know, kind of the housewives, sassy, uh, culture, these women with, with attitude and all this stuff. And I mean, I get it. And I think to some degree it's valid, but then after a while, it's just, again, another parody of itself. And and so every time these these kind of serious lines come out of her mouth, I'm just cracking up because I'm saying like, <laughs> yeah, there's a drinking game. It's definitely a drinking game, but it's also like, you know, I can hear the writers like, well, what can she say crazy next? Like, let's make her say the craziest stuff. And and then it's like, but the situation's not really that crazy. You know, everybody's kind of a, a you know, again like a caricature or a spoof or a parody or something. And then how is how is Ghost so cock diesel? Like, I'm like, wait a second. When does he have time to work out? This guy sits all day. Like, what does he do? He just drinks? Like, seriously, like, what is his regimen? Like, you never see him do anything except kind of be in place. Like, you never see him running from anybody. How does he stay in shape? That guy should be in a Marvel movie, man. He shouldn't be Ghost. playing Ghost. You know Ghost what I mean? just pops up, and I'm like, he shows up at Tommy's crib. And for what exactly? I mean, like as a viewers, we know he's trying to check on a Holly, but he never, he just comes in, you know, they have some random chitter chatter. He sees the Holly's in there. He makes some excuse and he bounces. And so it's like, where's the logic? You know, why did he come? What was his point? What was his point showing up there? So, I mean, it's like little lapses like that. I think it's like what you said. You never really see his day outside of, uh, you know, he's staring off into something. He's fixing his suit button. Uh, he's fucking Angela. <laughs> You know, right. so it's like, I guess that's where he gets his abs from, you know, all that sex. 
I yeah, I, I don't know, but it's so predictable. It's like the drinking game should be the scene. If you think that the next scene is going to be a sex scene because it's so heavy handed, you can tell it's coming a mile away. That should be a drinking game like, oh, here it comes, here it comes. And then, boom, cut to the sex scene and then drink. Because, I mean, it w- I just was laughing the whole time. And I was like, wow, you know, the, the dramatic pitch just goes to a whole nother level. And another thing that bothered me is you ever notice how when Angie's with ghost, her Puerto Rican accent like goes up way up. And then like <laughs> when she's back at the office, it's like, Oh, she's real angle. I don't know. I kind of, well, I kind of heard mean, that. You know, we can understand that people play that game, you know, that's corporate America. Uh, yeah. But I mean, you, you know, know, I, I, I know, know plenty of black people who put on, if you call them at work between nine and five, you're going to get a certain voice. And then when happy hour hits, it's like, hey, yo, you know, so. Yeah, that's real life, though. This is this is kind of like you're playing a role. And then it, it kind of reminds me on the strain, the guy's uh, one of the character has a Russian accent. But at, by this point in season two, I don't know what kind of accent it is. And I was just wondering. I, I didn't know if Angie was they might have had the same accent coach or something. I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, power. I mean, you know, it continues to be a very successful show. Um, basically 6 million viewers every week or so on various different platforms. I just read this news article where, uh, stars just got picked up. They have a new, uh, carriage agreement with AT&T 50 was tweeting out how AT&T was racist and all this stuff, but now everything's cool. Um, and basically half of what they're saying, half of the 6 million viewers are African-American making it the highest watched African-American show on primetime cable. So that was a very interesting fact that I didn't know. And um, at the same time, personally, a little depressing. But at the same time, you know, entertainment is entertainment and you got to get it for where you can. I guess I'm always looking for something that can transcend. Um, But, yeah, uh, you know. Well, Shout out to Power and keep it going. Hopefully, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, something will uh, turn up with uh, we got the introduction of the of course, there's always a higher boss. Right. And all these gangsters, there's always like that one boss that everybody's scared of. And he just came on the scene. So, well, well Lobos uh, has been there before. Up. I mean, but he's back in town. Um, but, you know, I'm waiting, of course, for next week when the return of my favorite character on the show, 50 Cent is Kanan. Because he's right. just a whirlwind of comedy and violence, and I love anytime he's on screen. He's hilarious <laughs> to me. But you know, you just kind of know where the show is gonna go. You know, somehow Ghost is gonna set it up where you know Lobos or Kanan or somebody gets busted and he escapes and blah blah. I mean, the only big reveal they could do is really have Angela finally find out without a shadow of a doubt that Ghost is um, James St. Patrick, the guy she's been dating. And I really don't care to see another season of her chasing after him. I mean, like, I'd rather they really off her and just go in a completely different direction. I think mm-hmm. that would be much more interesting to me because I'm tired of their stale, played-out uh, love story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did do something interesting by allowing Holly to stay alive. Uh, and it looks like she's just going to kind of disappear into the sunset with them give, giving them the option to kind of bring her back at some point in the future, which would be whack to me. So I'm kind of, you know, upset they didn't just have her get offed. But, eh. Can't win them all. Yeah, and, um, you know, we're not even halfway. Well, maybe we're halfway through the season at this point, so we'll see, um, you know, where it goes. Uh, but, again, they got big numbers, so it's not slowing down anytime soon. They're already renewed for season three. Um, but one show, I got to say, these first two shows are very hard to review because 
again, for me, it's kind of like just comedy watching. But one show that does really intrigue me is Mr. Robot on USA, which is the critics darling right now, but also is a very, I would say, a tour de force in television right now because it's like unlike any show on TV right now. And for me, um, this is a breakout hit that I feel like, you know, where the artistry is really shining and also the questions and the engagement from the audience is really intriguing. There's all these theories about Elliot and, you know, um, his relationship to uh, Christian Slater, Mr. Robot. And this episode was actually pretty crazy. Um, last episode, when you guys covered where the whole hallucination and, you know, him getting high this episode, he's really uh, they're continuing their journey to try and take down evil core and uh, they actually made it to the uh, Stone Mountain uh, uh, facility. Yeah, I'm finding that, um, like, last episode, it was, like, more of a letdown for me. This episode kind of, you know, reinvigorated my interest in the show. So, uh, because I love, you know, heists. So, I love break-ins and things of that nature. So, you know, big Bond fan, big heist movie, thriller fan. Um, and to see how a heist via Elliot <laughs> played out was comedy. Because he did exactly the opposite of what he needed to do in damn near every situation. <laughs> uh, even just as a views expectation, um, as the genre's expectation, and as his cohorts who are like, Elliot, do this. And then he proceeds to do drugged up, dope fiend Elliot <laughs> move after move. So um, I appreciate the quirkiness and kind of the unique voice of the show um, in a way that we really haven't seen on TV. You know, I mean... We've seen like drug dealers or, or, or people who are on drugs kind of be protagonists, but not in this way, I don't think. Um, so I think that's pretty fascinating in and of itself and kind of a success for USA to take a risk in that regard. I like the fact that one of Elliot's hacks, hack of the weeks is blowing up in his face or and we're going to kind of see the rest of that play out with um, drug dealer girlfriends, uh, boyfriend and supplier who figuring out instantly that Elliot was the one who set him up. And uh, looks to be coming after him in the next episode. So, you know, Mr. Robot has um, a lot of different directions it can go. Yeah, I mean, one of the theories that I read online that had me intrigued was uh, up until now, people were saying that Christian Slater's character was a reflection of Elliot's uh, psyche. And is he real? Because nobody really interacts with him. Um, and then at this this episode, they actually did interact with him at some point, not uh, the people that Elliot was with, but other people had interacted with him, other people back at the Coney Island compound. And um, so they're saying that is Elliot real? Like another a theory is that is Elliot real or is, is he a figment of somebody's imag imagination? I thought that was a, you know, anytime that TV can get to the point where people are asking more and more questions as the show progresses, I feel like that's a very valuable very like very valuable tv show because it's going to have people thinking and uh, as much as tv is kind of in your face um i do enjoy being um you know i guess not force-fed all the time i do enjoy having to think for myself to solve some stuff even if i'm completely wrong uh, and you're right the heist was totally an elliot style heist um he said all these weird things um, when he was at the Stone Mountain facility and, and all this kind of stuff where where you thought it was going to go one way and it goes some somewhere else. And then all for naught at the end, um, 
they they pull off the heist and then just to find out that the the other hacker group is not going to support them the chinese are not going to support them so um so yeah they're they're kind of back to square square one and on top of that the drug dealer boyfriend is out to get him so uh mr robot you know uh going along again my favorite show on the air right now and uh another show that i'm really appreciating is uh the ball um hbo ballers the kind of look the comedic look into the lifestyle of sports agents and athletes and stuff like that especially in football starring the rock i know it's been doing really good it's by the entourage people uh and i really enjoyed the shenanigans every week nobody's perfect everybody's flawed but since it's a comedy i believe it a lot more than like true detective or or power i don't know some somehow i'm laughing less at ballers and really getting into the characters how do you how do you feel about it ballers is kind of um middle of the road for me like i wish it had more bite and more edge and Really, because to me, every episode has been bits of humor and some drama. So it's just so middle of the road where it doesn't know what it wants to be. This is like a classic case of a show not really knowing what it wants to be and not giving you enough of any one thing, you know, solidly enough to make it more worthwhile and more interesting. You know, it's not enough comedy for it to really be a comedy or funny show. I'm not like laughing all the time. I mean, I, I, I chuckle at different bits. And then the dramas are never major enough where they aren't solved within like five minutes after they're introduced, you know, or the next episode. So it's like I like the potential of Ballers and I see it, see what it can be, you know what I mean? But it's like they got to do something to really kind of punch it up. It kind of reminds me of um, the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, where it received a lot of flack. But the show was because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of had this. Um, ABC family kind of vibe to it where people came in expecting something to be more uh, superhero, super spy, James Bond type of, you know, second James reference, um, super badass spy type of deal. And they got something kind of bright and shiny. They kind of skewed more toward teenagers. And I think with Ballers, you know, I expected more adult, edgy, um, even, you know, to the entourage level of funny or humor, and I'm getting something that's just kind of lukewarm, you know. So I like it and I watch it, but it's just not it is treading water to me. Well, one thing I I do like is that they they manage even within the comedy they manage to to sneak in a message with the whole concussion thing that the Rock in this episode especially he's going back for his second concussion MRI checkup, and uh, he you know I like the way that they've been kind of sneaking that in and and you know introducing sort of a serious subject and a current topic. Um, I also want to shout out two other um sports docs that are pretty uh relevant and uh one of them is called schooled and it's the price of uh college um i think it's called the price of the college athlete or something like that but it's called schooled and it basically is talking about how college athletes get screwed and then the other one is called broke which is almost directly um uh related to ballers which is about all the athletes who went broke after they finished their career or during their career. And one of the early episodes of ballers, when he's talking about, you know, um, you know, lease everything, you know, um, and these guys, and these, this is like real life and kind of resonates. So I feel like they're tackling those issues 
in a comedic way, definitely through the characters, but there's also some serious stuff about that. And it also reflects the kind of culture we live in. So I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm pretty, I like the rhythm of it and it's not long. It's a half an hour and psh, you're in and you're out. And I dig that. So no, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I agree with that. I just wish it had more teeth. I got you. I got you. Um, next up, uh, show that you don't watch is the strain, which is my favorite, uh, comic book show on right now. I guess if you were to call it that also, it is, has its comedic value and comedic moments. Um, this episode, we got to see, uh, the Cobra commander vampires, my man Vaughn. I call them the Cobra commanders cause they dress up like Cobra and they, uh, there's a group of vampires who are kind of undercover, and uh, they infiltrated the uh, Stoneheart building and tried to uh, overtake my man uh, in the Stoneheart building. So I thought that was pretty cool. That happened at the very end of the episode, but it really picked up the episode, which was kind of, um, you know, trudging along. Uh, little details here and there that jumped out. Uh, Zatrakian, we find out, is actually injecting himself through his eyeballs he is able to reduce the worms that infect everybody. He boils them to a reduction and then he puts the, the, the potion in his eyeballs and then they bleed and then he gets energy. And I thought that was awesome. What the fuck? <laughs> it's so awesome. Because <laughs> meanwhile, the main character is trying to find some sort of way to uh, reverse the process or, or uh, find an antidote. Um. And by experimenting on this old couple that got infected and he's he's kind of failing but then towards the end he finds out that it does work um the best thing about this show that chico hates is that it's pretending to be in new york or it claims to be in new york but obviously the locations aren't new york but this time they went overboard and it's a very new york centric show and uh focusing on staten island and for anybody who's from new york the jokes about Staten Island were just endless tonight. It was amazing. Staten Island apparently was a was a, uh, a plague-free zone, they called it. There was a councilwoman who made her bones about it being a plague-free zone. And I just thought that that was hilarious and that everybody's like, wow, Staten Island's so great. <laughs> I just, it's a very New York thing to laugh at. But um, the other thing was that there are a lot of parallels between, first of all, there's a lot of shows out there with all these kind of uh, plagues or viruses. You know, you have Walking Dead, of course, which is constantly dealing with the science of the plague um, or the, you know, with the walkers. The strain actually takes it to a medical level. And uh, I think Last Ship or I don't know, there's a couple of other things out there that have, have virus um, kind of antibody, you know, infections and all these kind of things. And so you have all this lore around that, but the strain does it really well because they also take it to this. It's not just science. It's also like, um, just monsters. So some people can get infected one way. Other people, uh, get infected, you know, a different way. There's levels to it. Some vampires can talk. Some vampires can think for themselves. So we're getting, we're really peeling back the layers of of the whole kind of the breadth of what the infection looks like and how it's evolving because it is a real time evolving infection. So anyway, I thought this episode was good. Um, some com comedic moments again, but uh, so you finding that you um, enjoy it more now that you take it less seriously? 
I never took it seriously, though. Oh, okay. um, I think that was the big thing is like I never took it seriously. I kind of started laughing early on in the first season and I kind of got it. But the laughs aren't the way um, I laugh at power, to be honest. The laughs are like, oh, man, he did what I thought he was going to do. That's great. In power, it's just like he did what I thought he was going to do, but that's not great. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't have the same effect. Or like he did some um, shit that nobody on earth would fucking do, this idiot. Right. And then, but they also, like, in The Strain, they can get away with, like, just supernatural shit that just makes, like, they, they, they had a, a cipher of Strigoi. Strigoi is the word for the, I know you don't watch, so Strigoi is the word for the vampires. And they had this cipher where the, these guys are, like, sleeping. And they're, like, these, like, 12-foot-tall, you know, white-skinned, pointy-eared kind of monsters. They're, like, the older vampires. And they, like... They chill in a circle and they on these on these chairs and I was like, oh, that's dope. There's like a chamber where they, you know, where they hang out. So you can like you can do all sorts of crazy stuff and 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 turn a corner and all of a sudden it's a whole different world. And so I like that. I like the kind of liberty you have with that. Um, uh, yeah. So that's it for the strain and um, uh, a couple of shout outs, a couple of um show shout outs. Uh, I wanted to shout out uh, Dominion on Sci-Fi which uh, I watched the first season, second season is out now, and it is very similar to The Strain in that um, it deals with angels and archangels and possessions and more kind of virus-based possessed people who run around like zombies. Um, Another comic book show, if you're into sci-fi stuff, I mean sci-fi the channel, that's a little smarter than the normal sci-fi fair i would check out dominion cool i definitely want to give a shout out to uh ray donovan it's been doing this thing this season and also to the justice league movie gods and monsters that uh animated movie is fantastic it's an alternate take on the justice league uh featuring a vampire batman uh an apocalyptic wonder woman and um superman being the son of zod and it's really dope Bruce Tim is at the helm, and it's kind of a classic, you know, a return to classic form. Produced by Bruce Tim, directed by Sam Liu, is very good. Uh, we got a preview screening of it at Fan Bros, and it was uh, it's really really good. Um, any other shout outs? Anything else you wanted to uh, to plug? Ah, right, just you know, hit me up, follow me at Illyc on Twitter. Since I have like zero Twitter followers, and I need them desperately, so Ben and Tatiana can stop mocking me. Yeah, and a great way to do that is to use Fan Bros to get your Twitter followers up, LOYC. Thanks no for doubt, that. No uh, doubt, no doubt, baby. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, as usual, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, follow us on SoundCloud, like us on Facebook, uh, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, stay tuned for the show this week, later this week. Um, and also check out our old shows. We have tons and tons of awesome guests at fanbros.com. You can check our uh, Redbubble store online. And we have our Super Week events coming up in October. Stay tuned for that. And uh, with that, we will peace. say peace. Fat bros. Fat bros.